I believe I live I live by the motto you don't have any haters, you're not popping. Yeah. If people think if people want to come at you, they care about you enough. I would rather people comment about me and say, you know, I'm not good, whatever, than have no reaction at all. No reaction at all, that's the death of you. What's going on, beautiful people? You have just tuned into the Media Pass podcast, brought to you by the 29th Club. On this show, I will have conversations with sports media professionals and a segment focused on Edmonton soccer, where we speak to players, coaches, and fans. My name is Crowder Rufus Akinremi, a creative based in Edmonton, Alberta. So if you enjoy sports or would love to work in sports, keep listening and enjoy the show. This is the Media Pass Podcast. Two-time FIFA Women's World Cup champion Michelle Akers once said, sports writers are the chroniclers of the triumphs, defeats, and human dramas that unfold on the playing field. They have the power to inspire, inform, and entertain us, and they play a vital role in shaping our understanding of the world of sports. On the pilot episode of the Media Pass podcast, I'll be speaking with Avery Lewis McDougall, an Edmonton-based sports writer, reporter, podcaster, on-air personality, and streamer who mainly covers the Edmonton Oilers and has worked with Yahoo Sports, The Hockey News, Edmonton Stingers, Edmonton Elks, Edify Magazine, among many others. Welcome to the Media Pass Podcast, Avery. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the solid uh, intro. I appreciate the introduction to the podcast. <laughs> oh, thank you. I have to. To make sure everyone knows who you are and just get along with everything. So thank you for being our first guest on the first ever episode. It's been a uh, long coming and I uh, appreciate you on here. So um, can you tell us about your, your love for sports? Why you're in this field in general? What sports love, media? My love of sports, honestly, that goes all the way back to when I was honestly three, four years old. Grew up with a kid who loved uh, playing basketball, watching it on TV, watching all sports and TV. Yes, my, yes, my parents, yes, my friends and family. You know, I was always near TV watching, be it basketball, baseball, football, soccer, anything really. And I grew up, I grew up playing sports like, oh, I grew up playing sports. I grew up playing uh, basketball, tennis, uh, lacrosse, you know, uh, pick up, you know, pick up futsal with the, with the guys and stuff. We realize, you know, when you get to like, 13, 14, 15, you realize quickly you're good enough to get to that next level or going to just, you know, be a casual pickup player. That's the thing, you know, the, the talent gap gets big when you're a teenager. So, I, you know, I tried to play basketball in high school. I was a good shooter, but I was small. You know, I was featured at NBA.com for my shooting when I was a kid, but I, I'm only 5'8", buck 50, you know. In basketball, you're going to go that far if you're a buck 8, 5'8", uh, five, or 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five stuff. So, I always really wanted to get into media as well, too. I always knew I had a passion for broadcasting and getting involved in sports media. So when I was 15 years old, there was a site, there was a site called blogtalkradio.com where you can host a sports show or a podcast just via your phone. So I Googled it, went on, signed up, and in 2008, I started hosting a Avery Sports show on my Nokia flip phone. And it was a real Nokia flip phone. I did half an hour, no commercial breaks. I did that on Blog Talk for about two years, did 80 episodes, 
moved over to different platforms that have like very very primitive it was like the dawn of live streaming uh, content twitter was brand new there was no ig there was facebook was the main platform there was no snapchat so it was all about going on your live platform and emailing your listeners hey new show is out here everything can go that blew up i had a lot of guests i was like um, sorry, covering on on the blog, covering um CFL, covering F seventeen, covering NHL, trying to try to get a foot forward in the industry. And it spawned off to me going to Nate in twenty eleven, um, to refine what I do, get some more polish. I graduated from the broadcasting program in twenty thirteen. Then um I know most people it's all about, you know, going to a small town, grinding there. That was never my vision. My vision was never to be in a small town five, six years, knew where I wanted to be, moved to Toronto for two years, and I I got my foot in Toronto, even sports show, covering almost literally any and any sport it could be. I covered uh, the Pan Am game, I covered TFC for a very long time. I, I did my, my, my main beat in Toronto was covering MLS. I did a lot of stuff that and women's national team, men's national team. And one thing I learned is that in Toronto, it is such a doggy dog city. You got to hustle. You got to get it. You got to find ways to grind in that market. That was a, yeah. it was a really good learning experience for me to be in that big market and trying to get a foothold in Toronto and doing a lot of fun things. I did a lot of podcasts there. I did some TV work in Toronto. You know, it was a good experience. You know, some yeah. people, you know, the market which, you know, not everybody can be in Toronto, but I think it's a good market for those who really want to test themselves and see can I thrive here, you know? And I did, you know. I did. I moved back here in 2017. I got a radio job with Now FM Radio. Behind the scenes, doing work in social media for Now FM. And then I got and then got a job working with U of Alberta, doing commentary for the U of Pandas hockey team. And it's funny, because I actually, I, I missed it. I also covered um, also a lot of rugby leagues. Up to, it, I did stuff covering our rugby league, where there was a team in Toronto, the Wolfpack, that spawned off into me also getting offered a job in 2019 looking for Sky Sports New Game Rugby League show. And I learned that in American UK media, things will say about you if you're a foreigner. If you're not from there and you're talking about their sports on their platforms and they hear an accent that's not British. And if you're black, holy cow. It was a tabloid. It was a daily it wasn't uh yeah, daily mail. Daily Mail. Uh, Daily Mail. We got a critique of our show, Inside Super League, which some people liked, some people didn't, because again, one, I was not not British. One of our other co-hosts was not British, and a woman, <laughs> she was Australian. So double that. One one host, one host is black and Canadian. Other host is Australian. Like you got two foreigners on their platform. Oh, we got crushed by some, and one guy didn't critique my work on the show. He just said in an article in Daily Mail, this young host from Toronto, I don't like his presence, I don't like his voice. He compared my voice and went a little bit crass. He said it felt like someone was squeezing my testicle when I what? talked on air. Actual quotes. Daily no Mail. Yep. No critique of my actual talent, what I was saying, just went into attacking my voice on air. So... I'm 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 speechless. This is <laughs> I'm completely speechless. Wow. Oh, I never tell anybody that story. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, how did you how did you react to that at the time? And what 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 events took place after that? 
you know, I didn't even know about this until months later. Fortunately, we have the show in 2020, but then COVID hit. We were supposed to do um, 30 episodes, only got through seven COVID hit. And I then COVID saw production back in March. Unfortunately, the show was um, was canceled uh, back in May. We realized I'm going to start playing it or be again in the UK until June. Yeah. I didn't find the story until I, I could send the story to me like in June 2020. Someone said, hey, did you see this? I go, oh, heck is this? Oh, Written really? back in March. And I reacted. I said, "Listen, like I, be, I, I did a little rant saying like this guy's embarrassing. This is embarrassing confession. If I knew it back then, oh, if I knew it back in March, I'd, I would look this guy up for sure. Why? Yeah. About in March 2020. But for me, it's like you know what? I, I believe I live, I live by the motto: you don't have any haters, you're not popping. Yeah. If people think if people want to come at you, they care about you enough. I would rather people." comment about me and say you know i'm not good whatever then have no reaction at all no reaction at all that's the death of you I mean people don't care about you good or bad but going from that you know i've covered um i've also worked with empty stingers doing that um being one of the first on-air get voices doing uh interviews it's been really fun working um yeah cebl uh mc edmonton i was one of the first reporters covering them and they were the arrival in can pl was fun that like the the photo you you sent on uh on twitter when you replied where you kicking the ball at uh at the stadium that was like yes i need to see a video of that <laughs> Just I, I wish that was really out the the can pl their first um final in Cal- calgary against uh against uh forge and yeah they had a they had a giant dartboard a dartboard soccer game where you try to kick the like, nerf footballs onto a board of Vina Velcro. Yeah. And I'm there in my my good suit, my dress shoes. <laughs> and this is what, Novemberish? <laughs> so the first first attempt, you know, I missed I missed the board because I slipped. It, I'm it, it's just ice yeah. yeah it's ice but I slipped. That footage of me was me nailing the board second my second attempt. It was, like, it was a good strike. So <laughs> still outside of the foot, redemption, like only oh, in the dress shoes, in the suit like then we got better. I wasn't, I wasn't walking away after you falling down, and I said, no, what hell no. I wasn't walking away after the first kick, I slipped. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. a beautiful story. I wish there was more, like, opportunities like that in, like, across the city where, like, you can just pull up for events for soccer because, as we mentioned earlier before the episode started, just, like, mm-hmm. the lack of, um, the lack of, like, options to cover soccer in the city is pretty limited, so hopefully something pops up and... Within other sports, I think you're thriving. Like you mentioned, like the Stingers, this is like the fifth season that you're starting, right? And like yeah. um, Oilers have always been here, and you have um, the Elks as well. So, it's would you say there's pretty good, pretty good options for sports reporting in Edmonton? I would say in terms of the team right now, even though of course you lose the Eddies, yeah, there's still there's still the Elks, there's still um, there's still Stingers, there's still U of A, Nate, Grabmachuin. There's still a lot of options to get in and and watch sports and cover sports and like with the singers. Like one of the good things about the singers is that from day one, they've been so accepting of non traditional media, of blog, podcasts, with people who like basketball want to get in. Because I've dealt with I've dealt with different teams over the years who have said no to me because you know you're not a big enough name, you're not on a TSN or set. And to me, I I always felt that detrimental because of course if, if you're if you're a pro or team whatever. I understand. You gotta do background check, of course. 
make sure people are here and not just here enough to watch. I get that entirely. At the same time, though, do I? I've been a firm advocate for do a background check, look up someone's blog, podcast, and say, "Hey, we know you're not major, but we see you're legitimate. We see you're hustling. You know, here's the past stuff out there. Exactly. Go do your thing. That's how it should. You proving you proving you want to work, put content. It shouldn't be a total no. You're a blogger, not allowed. No, I've never let the app on. In our industry, when people are trying to find a way to get in the door, especially in sports media. Have you found yourself struggling to manage your finances? Well, worry no more. We've got the solution for you. Introducing the MyFi budgeting app, made by a talented creative right here in Edmonton. This app is designed to help you take control of your finances and achieve your financial goals. With the MyFi Budget app, you can easily track your expenses, set budgets, and monitor your progress towards your goals. Plus, it's user-friendly and easy to navigate, so you don't have to be a financial expert to use it. And the best part, it's free to use. You can also go pro to access all the features you need to keep in check for an affordable monthly fee of $1.99. So, if you're ready to take the first steps towards financial freedom, head on over to the App Store and download the MyFi budgeting app made here in Edmonton. Link to download in this episode's description. Thanks for listening and happy budgeting. One question before we dive into another topic. Um... What was the first ever media pass you got? First ever media pass? Oh, I'm trying to recall off the top of my head. That's a good question. That's it. Do I recall? Oh, I do recall. Yes, uh, 2009, Edmonton, now dead after the Edmonton Elks, mm-hmm. uh, preseason game. I had been doing some vlogging and podcasting work on CFL for a while, but I um, figured in 2009, six years old, hey, you know what? How can I get into the press box? How can I have a game? I emailed their old uh, PR person, Dave Jameson, who's now host on TSN Policy. Emailed him and said, hey, this is what I do. I do this blog, podcast, I want to cover a game. And first of all, he replied and said, wow, I'm shocked you're 16 and doing this. So he said, yeah, for sure. Got me a pass, went down, ran me through the procedures in terms of how it all works, being in the press box. Covered that preseason game in 2009. Got a pass for that year, and that was really the first, that was, once I was booked, I was my first taste of seeing, wow, this is how the meeting works. This is how things work. And I got to meet people from different networks, different companies, got to interview players. And there I was like, wow, this is what I want to do. This is really what I want to do for a career. Yeah. And you've, you've worked you've worked really hard since then and gone to school, moved to Toronto. I didn't I didn't even know about that part. Mm-hmm. And that's good. That's good to know. Like, you would be a, a line of networking and experiences. That's awesome, man. Oh, and how do you know? Yeah. Which I meant you know. It's always networking that, that helps you hmm. get places. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's sweet. And um, last month, I remember on Twitter, you had, um, you posted a tweet. It was, um, I don't really recall the words, but everyone in, in, in hockey Canada well, every mm-hmm. any every every player in hockey needs to watch yeah. Black Ice, and I was like, oh, okay, let mm-hmm. me go because I had seen I had seen the preview like on TSN, but yeah. it was just like a, a short one, right? And then because I'm not really a 
of hockey. I'm still getting because I'm more of a soccer inclined. Mm-hmm. Still getting, oh, you know, like five Oilers players. So I'm getting there gradually. So I was like, okay, next time they show this on T- TSN, I'll go give it a watch. And boy, was that in for a surprise. I I was like, whoa, this is this is insane. I, I feel mm-hmm. everyone, not just like hockey, no matter the sport, even if you're not into sports, it's oh. something that you should check out because it's it's like it's like an hour plus and it's really informative like what black people went through uh-huh. like the colored hockey league how it got disrupted and stuff like that in nova scotia and also i keep forgetting his name the 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 first um he was meant to be the first um nhl first black nhl player but never got a, a chance because of her carnegie yes her carnegie and how even years later, it happened how uh, one day he was telling the experience and he broke down in tears. And that really broke me because, wow, I can't, words can't really describe, like, the pain he felt, the trauma, the experiences, the racism, and just a lot of other players that have spoken about that. So, what, what, is there anything you'd like to say about, like, that uh, that documentary, Black Ice? You know, it's easily one of the most raw sports documentaries I've watched in a very long time. You know, I I watch lot of sports documentaries on all sports, hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, every day. But that was the most raw because, you know, it was, first of all, I appreciate TSN putting it on TV and admitting, hey, you know, we're airing this. You know, it has raw depictions of racism and other things, you know, we're going to take on or not. I, I went down to t- I would I, I saw it on the tip I went to the Toronto Film Chess premiere uh, this past summer I saw it with a buddy of mine and watching it like one of the big things watching it at TIFF was just seeing reaction in the theater and cinema of people who didn't know this stuff like you like people who didn't know and hearing audible gasping and what happened with Kurt Hawkins or what players faced racism what players or players were told not just when they were pro players when they were kids what they would hear the rake at 13 14 15 you know you know you're you're a sphere chucker go back to africa go play basketball go do, it's like and you're and they're children like yeah. it's shocking to hear that and but it's the reality and it's the thing that's been going on and the bodies of hockey have not been proactive enough to to stop it and yeah it went to the color hockey it's unfortunate because the color hockey was growing in Nova Scotia. It was getting attention. It was getting more fans than the White Hockey League and people in Halifax. You can't have you can't have these black players need more attention or having better players. So there was always ways to try and stop um these players from going from succeeding. And there was a part in that movie, I don't want to spoil too much of that watching one player a couple of years ago in, in the Maritimes, a young goaltender who who was called the N word and his dad complained about it and uh, suspension ball. And one thing that was to me was so jarring was that that was Mar- Mark Walters, Mark Walters' father. Mark Walters is black, his, his father is white. And his father saying, how you know, wouldn't this have been addressed if I were a black man? If I were a black parent, would this have been addressed? And he realized that, wow, this was taken seriously because I'm a, even though my, my child is black, I'm a white father. That's the reason why I was taken seriously. And that hit, and I people, and I hope you realize, you know, things in certain things in hockey are taken seriously as well as it sounds until a white person steps in and says, "Hey, this is wrong." Yeah, that's true. And 
even when um, his dad also complained, not not a lot mm-hmm. was even done because it was it was something. It's something that they kind of like pushed to the side over the years, and mm-hmm. haven't really done like real justice. Like um, the one where the the fan threw the banana at the player, and mm-hmm. um, police said or the the judge, the the, the justice system itself said that he didn't mean to, and that he's an aspiring uh, police officer, so he should be given a second chance and. Those are the problems that even like when it's taken seriously, taken to court, it's just brushed aside like it was just a mistake and they don't see the intentions behind. So it's it was really sad, but it was really it was really um what's the word? Educating. Mm-hmm. I watched it I, I watched the first half and then I had to go to work. But then when he played again, I started again from the beginning because I was like, I need to be fully invested. So just about being black and working in hockey. What has it been like for you? I Especially say, in Alberta. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting because I would say, you know, it used to it I I'm no I'm it's not as drawing to me as it used to be years ago, because I remember I would go into rinks covering college hockey, covering games of Old King, other leagues, you know, you would look around look around, you know, Claire Drake Arena. Look around, uh, Rexall or Rogers Place, and they'll even grab hmm. I'm the only person that looks like me. I'm the only person in this media center that's black. And yeah, you know, I remember growing up. You know, I remember being when I was 19. Well, yeah, you get looks. You would get looks. You know, oh, that's odd. Or you know, people would stare at you. But one thing it did help me though. It helped me bond with players who were black. Let me bond with players who are either professional players over in Europe or child. So all these. A lot of these black hockey players probably never dealt with a black reporter or a black coach. They probably never in- been interviewed by a black person. Period. So for them, they were like, "Oh wow, I can I can speak a little bit more open to someone who relates to me or understands what I might be going through in this sport." And I still keep in touch with a lot of guys who played junior hockey or who play pro hockey to this date. There's a lot of guys. There are some guys who are in NHL who uh, I you mentioned the bananas. Wade Simmons. I've known Wade. Almost ten years now. I still talk to Wayne. Go to be I'm I have Jamaican. Wayne's have Jamaican. West Indian and Indian hockey. You know, so that's how the bond we've had over the years. But I think it's getting better to an extent. You know, I've seen more black people who work in media now in hockey. Even though, like I like this past year, I met my colleague from Yahoo Sports for the first time in person, Julian McKenzie, who's a black writer for the Athletic, covers the Flames. He's black. And meeting him for the first time, bonding with him was great. I know done the third intermission podcast, which is all black hockey show. So it's getting better. And in Alberta, I think there'll be more people who look like me, look like you, who see more presentation in the sports media world. I think eventually we're going to get to a point where we'll see more people who are of color, who are who are black, working hockey. So I don't feel as I don't feel as alone as they did five, when six, you... seven, eight years ago. Yeah, and even though like you. You, you may get comments here and there, especially online. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen a lot of, like, horrible comments. And like you said, now you know how to, like, deal with those people, deal with yes. those instances. So that's that's the experience and uh, the part of being a sports reporter. You get, you get a lot of hate. And like you said, if you're not getting that hate, you're not doing something. But, so, yeah. Great job. Although, although I'll, I'll say as much, though, what I remember it was that, it was a comment I saw on Twitter like last summer how someone said, you know, oh, 
if you see a hate, hateful comment, you should engage with it. And I saw it, I thought, I thought myself, like, no, like, and it was a, it was a white report, white, white street male report myself, like, no, like, dude, like, you don't understand how hateful comments that come to the majority of street white men in media is totally different when in, when hateful comments come towards someone who's black, who's a woman, who is openly of the queer community. It's different. Yeah. With the same, it's different than someone who was a straight white male. I don't engage with that much because if 90% of the time, it always crosses the line and it never just stays toward my ability. It always gets personal. So I say, you know what? Why engage? Because this person isn't going to judge me strictly on my talent. It's not going to go that way. Yeah. And honestly, those people who just judge based off like, who you are rather than your talent. It's just best to ignore them because the more you give them um, the chance to speak, the more hateful they will get. And it's, it's, that's not the, you don't need to give them that platform to keep on screwing that. In. So yeah, you know, I, I totally agree with you. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I know that that could be, that could be really a lot sometimes. And it's, it's, it's great that you've learned how to overcome it over the course of your career and, that's awesome, man. So thank you for sharing. Appreciate of course, it. appreciate it. But... Yeah. So um, what are your influences in your career? And what would you see are your, your next steps as well? Influences? In terms of person, in terms of people I look up to you or? Yeah, just like yeah. Um, peers and influences that have made you like a better reporter and writer. Okay. I would say there's a few people. There's a few. I'll start with, uh, I'll, I'll start locally. One of the big and on G Principate, that's of course like he's be someone who I have been able to uh, watch since I was a little kid, and I've been able to lean on him for guidance and advice. And he's a great example in terms of there are people out there in media who don't want the next generation to reach out to them because they feel you know, hey, you gotta take my job. He is yeah. someone who has been you know, you need you, go, you need to call me, you need to email me, talk whatever. I got I'm here. I'm gonna you lead on. You know, this is what you want prove on you like you get better like i appreciate that and his style on camera has been very jovial loose understanding that hey, sports is entertainment that's how it's supposed to be and another influence um yeah cabby richards watching cabby on you see at a series where you were cabby in the streets we worked for the score tv network tsn sports and bleacher report just watching how we engage with athletes no matter if you want someone who played in the cfl the nba MLS, uh, treating, treating athletes like just humans. I thought it was going to be Kevin's biggest um, attribute, biggest trait, because so many times we see athletes as, you know, superhuman, superhuman being, but Kevin had a great ability to bring him down to, you know, hey, you have a great ability to, you know, kick a ball through a net, put a ball in a hoop, put a puck in the net. At the same time, though, you know, you like talking about, you know, food, you know, pranks, jokes, whatever, and it doesn't matter if it was, you know, uh, Wayne Gretzky, uh, David Beckham. End of the day, he humanized so many people who people thought weren't were not among us, were not our peers, and that's a great thing. Because at the end of the day, if you can humanize an athlete, you've won. If you can, and so many athletes, I talk to athletes who you know who want to be treated like an a regular person. Yeah, have a great talent, but they don't want to be seen as an animal. You know, that's beyond human. End of the day, we all eat. Sleep, you know, have our go to the washroom. We're all even in the day. So, yeah, Academy's ability making, you know, you and I have been to just, you know, another person and bring out their fun side. Because then, I remember Kobe Bryant for many years had his vulnerable mentality. 
oh, Kobe's cold, Kobe's just that. Kind of broken down and made him, you know, got cut, got cap, got Kobe joking, laughing. Cap is one of the few, um, it reported ever to have gone on a plane ride in Kobe's personal helicopter. Like, that's how much he broke down the barrier to get him to open up to, uh, to meet, uh, meeting them. So I appreciate Kevin for doing that for all of us. Yeah. And it, it, that, that, that experience with Kevin has also like opened the gate for other athletes to be able to, to, to be vulnerable. Would you say vulnerable is the word or just opening up? I would say vulnerable. Yeah. That's a great word. Putting it vulnerable. Yeah. Cause. Hmm. And, you know, of course, there were the few athletes, you know, who didn't like Kevin style. There were the few who thought, you know, he was too in your face, too personal. They like his question. And it is what it is. That, you know, not everybody's going like the style, but all of the ones who did became, yeah, vulnerable, open. And, yeah, people relate to a lot of the athletes a lot more. And the truth of the influence, Kevin is someone who I've gotten to know him for. Again, another person, you know, I can text Kevin right now. He'll get back to me within five, ten minutes. Like, he's someone... And he's a little person who worked worked on TSN, works on Sportsnet right now. He could be mean, but no, like you need to call me, whatever. Even your podcast, give me a date, time, I'll be there. I appreciate wow. that. Wow. That's that's amazing. That's awesome. So what um what are the next steps in your career? Personal like a personal goal or set of goals that you hope to achieve pretty soon or just in the future? Uh my next goal, I would say a couple of them. One of them is covering the Olympic Games in person. I was accredited to cover the Olympic Games in Tokyo, but due to COVID, I couldn't make it. Oh, Snag, trying to go to Japan last year. Yeah. It is what it is. But my goal is to get down and be in Paris for 2024. And I would say cover a Super Bowl. Cover a Super oh. Bowl, would be, I think would be amazing because that's an event in which the entire world, of course, it's like the World Cup, but just the amount of media attention of America is massive and then covering a, a women's world cup i've did i was a men's world cup i did, I did a women's world cup in 2015 which yeah. was amazing to do but doing a men's world cup i think would be next would be a fun goal to do next to be say i've covered both men's world mm-hmm. cups yeah i think it'd be cool to do both yeah and 2026 so that's that's the goal for that as well because yes. it's it could have been so it could have been in our backyard as well but we're uh... so close to so so close, but yeah, it was supposed to be in Edmonton, but you know, after the they made for a whole different show in terms of why Edmonton didn't get the games yeah. in it. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's gonna be good because you get to like travel to Toronto, Vancouver, and like even mm-hmm. the states to cover. So it's oh, a yeah. good experience as well. I, I agree totally. Yeah. So, what advice would you give someone today who wants to start a career in sports media? I would say right now. If you want to get involved in your career, I would say utilize utilize social media in the biggest way, and don't don't be discouraged by you get you get told no the first time. Be persistent. Okay. A no from one person might be a yes from somebody else, and I would say don't be afraid to reach out to people. The worst somebody can tell you is no. The worst somebody can tell you in this industry is no. I, when I was like 18, 19, I was afraid to reach out to certain people. But now it's like, I will, I will DM someone from ESPN. I'll DM someone from Sky, whatever. Like, yeah. I've gotten interviews from people of different networks. Just from literally cold calling, cold emailing. And because people, people respect the grind. People respect the hustle. People respect how much you want to succeed. And like I said, don't be afraid. Even at events, if you see someone, if you see, you know, an athlete or, uh, a media personality 
of course, you know, be respectful, you know, be polite, but go up to them and say, hey, you know, this is what I do, da da da. Let's have you on, let's talk to you more. More often than not, that person will remember you and say, hey, you know, we can't do it now, but I'm going to redirect you to someone who can make it happen maybe in a week or in a month, or I'll give you my information to make it happen. So that's what I see it as, you know, don't be afraid of these people. End of the day, they're human like you and I. And they, and, they, and they appreciate people who come respectfully. And they respect people who hustle, you know, have a passion. They respect a lot, I've learned. Yo, yo, what's good, gang? This is Avery Lewis McDougall, and you're listening to Media Pass. Thank you for listening to this episode of Media Pass. If you enjoyed this, please share with your family and friends. And give us a five-star rating as well so it can be recommended to others. Subscribe to get updates when a new episode comes out and follow us on social media at The 29 Club to check out our other beautiful stories across Edmonton soccer and sports media. Catch us again next week. This is the Media Pass Podcast.